اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اذ تسعدون remember when you were climbing when you were ascending تسعدون from the root letter صاد عين ذا from the word سعود صعدة which is to climb up to ascend so remember when you were ascending ascending what the mountain in order to flee from the battlefield when the mushrikeen attacked again from the rear you were just running away climbing wala talwuna and you were not looking aside ala ahadin on anyone talwuna from the root letter islam wawiya and lay lay what does that mean to turn to bend the tongue or the neck the bending of the tongue is to twist and distort the words yalwuna alsinatahum bil kitab remember and lay of the neck is to turn it in order to look who's beside you who's behind you so you were ascending the mountain you were fleeing in the distance and you were not even looking back at anyone because behind them were who the mushrikeen who were coming to attack them so they were just fleeing for their lives and as they were fleeing they weren't even looking back to see does anyone need my help is any muslim in danger where is the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam where are the mushrikeen no you were not concerned about anything but your own safety you were not worried about anyone but yourself war rasulu while the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam يدعوكم. He was calling you في أخراكم, behind you. The Prophet ﷺ from behind you, he was calling you. But you were not even looking back. Has this ever happened with you? That you're just running or walking away and you're not even looking back at who's behind you, who's fallen, who's hurt. Hmm? You're just worried about yourself, not caring about anyone. Sometimes it happens that we're walking you know rushing towards the cafeteria because we want to get in front of the line we want the pizza before the pizza runs out and we don't care if we've pushed into someone bumped into someone stepped on someone's foot you know knocked over somebody's book we're just going 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 what drives us the love for the pizza our hunger now imagine if somebody is after you to get your life how will you run in a similar manner right you're not going to look back at anyone again Don't think negatively about the Sahaba. Who were they? Human beings. So they were running in this manner while the Messenger ﷺ, he was calling them from behind. How? That he said, إِلَيَّ عِبَادَ اللَّهِ إِلَيَّ عِبَادَ اللَّهِ Come to me, O servants of Allah, come to me. Where are you going? Where are you rushing? Because when the mushrikeen came, the Muslims, many of them got frightened and they just ran in order to save their lives and where was the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam at the foot of the mountain right and when he called the believers ilayya ibadullah you know what he took a huge risk how did he take a huge risk because when he said come to me then the mushrikeen also heard him and when they heard him they knew where he was and they went to him and they started to attack him and the people who were around him and at this point when everyone was running away the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was actually left with only nine companions nine companions seven of them were ansar two of them were muhajirin and seven companions were killed one after the other the ansar and the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam at one moment he was left with only 
two people. Who were they? They were Talha bin Ubaidullah and Sa'ad bin Waqqas. Two companions were left with the Prophet ﷺ. And imagine the rest of the Muslims are either running away or they're fighting the mushrikeen. And the Prophet ﷺ is left alone with only two people to guard him. So Allah reminds the Muslims, remember when you were running away, you left the Prophet ﷺ in so much danger. وَالرَّسُولُ يَدْعُوكُمْ فِي أُخْرَاكُمْ But what happened? You did not respond. He was calling you and you did not respond. فَأَثَابَكُمْ So he recompensed you. From the word thawab. What does thawab mean? Recompense. That when someone has done something, they are given equal of that in return. Or similar to that in return. It's from, you know, the word thiyab is also from the same clothes. So, clothes. Clothes, what do you do? You fold them. You divide them into half and you fold them, right? So, likewise, a person does an action and he is given the exact or similar for what he has done. So, because of your running away from the Prophet ﷺ, leaving him undefended, leaving him unprotected, فَأَثَابَكُمْ He recompensed you with غَمَّنْ بِغَمِّنْ What does this mean? Sorrow upon sorrow. Grief over grief. Loss over loss. Misery over misery. غَم What does غَم mean? Grief, distress, pain, affliction. And it is basically the constriction and the sadness that a person feels because of something harmful that has happened to him. Ram. So he gave you ram bi Now ram bi this ba is understood in two ways. First of all, it's understood as ba meaning ma'a, along with. Ba'da, after, ala, on top of. So one after the other, along with, coupled with. That one loss, one sadness was followed by another. One on top of the other, the next one was worse than the previous. And what happened? How did they suffer gham bi gham? That they didn't just lose five people, ten people. No, they saw their companions falling one after the other. One on top of the other. Then we see that they were all wounded, injured so badly. You know, if you're wounded in just your hand, even that itself is painful. But imagine the leg, the back, the head, the neck, all over they were wounded. And on top of that, some were wounded so severely. Like for example, Talha anhu, I mentioned to you yesterday, that his hand, his fingers got paralyzed for the rest of his life. Right? Likewise, غم غم, one sorrow with another, that they heard that the Prophet ﷺ had been killed. That a rumor had been spread. Likewise, when they saw the Prophet ﷺ, he was injured, he was wounded. When the Muslims were trying to ascend the mountain, the Prophet ﷺ was so weak and exhausted, he could not climb up a huge rock. So one of the companions, he kneeled down, and the Prophet ﷺ stepped on him, and that companion rose up, and the Prophet ﷺ got on top of the mountain. They had to physically lift him up. غم غم. Now imagine the Sahaba are watching this. How sad they must have been feeling. That this is what we did to the Prophet ﷺ. Why did we leave our positions? Why did we run away? Why did we not respond to the Prophet ﷺ? غَمَّن بِغَمِّن And غَمَّن بِغَمِّن بَا Secondly is understood as بَا of sabab meaning cause. So he gave you غَم because of the غَم that you caused to others. So you caused gham to the Prophet ﷺ, you caused him hurt. 
Allah gave you gham to. And there were many sad things that happened at the battle of Uhud. One of the things that happened was, Aisha anha, she narrates this, it is reported in Bukhari, that when the mushrikeen came from the rear, okay, then what happened? There were Muslims on the other side. Okay? Now basically, you can say that their positions had been swapped. The mushrikeen were on the other side and the Muslims were at the foot of the mountain. But now the mushrikeen came from the mountains and now they were at the foot of the mountain and the Muslims were on the other side. And the rest of the Muslims were still at the foot of the mountain around the Prophet ﷺ. Others were ascending. And the Muslims who were on the other side, where the mushrikeen were previously, it is said that someone yelled out loudly that watch for the mushrikeen behind you. So they turned back and they thought that those who are coming to us are mushrikeen. But there were some Muslims who got trapped. Because you can imagine there were several rows or people, right? So the, some Muslims got trapped. There were Muslims at the far end, mushrikeen here, and more Muslims in the middle. So there were some Muslims who got trapped in the middle. But as they turned back, they were facing who? Other Muslims. Okay? The Muslims who were in the middle. They turned back and they were facing Muslims in the middle. So imagine like one army here, one army here. But there were people here too. Imagine if you guys turn back, who are you going to face? The people over here. Right? So when they turned back, they didn't look who was right behind them. They just started fighting and killing. It's like, you know, when you're just defending yourself, you don't even look at who's in front of you sometimes. And they actually ended up killing some Muslims. Muslims ended up killing other Muslims. For example, we learned that Hudayfa radiallahu anhu, he caught sight of his father Al-Yaman, about to be killed by other Muslims. So he said, Oh servants of Allah, beware, this is my father, what are you doing? Because people were also shielded, right, on their faces. So you couldn't see the face of every person. So he said, Oh servants of Allah, beware, this is my father, this is my father. But they did not part with him until he was killed. They did not part with him until he was killed. They accidentally killed him. So Hudayfa anhu, he said, May Allah forgive you. May Allah forgive you. Because it was an accident. Even accidentally, if you kill a Muslim brother, it's a great loss. Ghamman bighamman. You know, like one thing goes wrong and so many things go wrong after that. Like a domino effect. So that's exactly what happened. One thing after the other was going wrong. It was getting worse. The situation was getting worse every moment. Why? لِكَيْ لَا تَحْزَنُوا عَلَى مَا فَاتَكُمْ وَلَا مَا أَصَابَكُمْ So that you do not grieve over what has slipped you and what has afflicted you. Meaning you don't grieve over what you have lost and over what you suffer. What does لِكَيْ لَا mean? So that not. Meaning Allah afflicted you with one sorrow after the other so that you become strong-hearted, okay? And you don't grieve over two things. First, ma fatakum. Fata from the root letters fa wauta, fawt, when something passes away, when something slips away, when something escapes your hand. So you lost many things. Now imagine, they lost some booty that they had collected. Alright? But you think that they would grieve over the booty that was lost when they realized they had killed the father of Hudayfa anhu accidentally? No way. They would get over the lost booty very quickly because the other loss was so great. 
Likewise, if someone was wounded and injured, but when they saw the Prophet ﷺ wounded and injured, you think their own loss mattered? Not at all. When they heard that the Prophet ﷺ was dead, they forgot about the death of their own brothers, the death of their fathers, the death of their tribesmen. So each loss was greater than the previous, and as a result, they got over their losses quickly. And at the end, Allah gave them the best news that the Prophet ﷺ was still alive, which made them forget everything that they had suffered. So, عَلَى مَا فَاتَكُمْ Secondly, وَلَى مَا أَصَابَكُمْ Asaba from musibah, suffering, affliction. So, you don't even grieve over what you have suffered. This is just like if you are sick. Then... Every moment is spent with so much difficulty. Isn't it so? But if your child is sick, then you end up forgetting your own sickness. Don't you? The mothers know. They're smiling. Because they know exactly what I'm talking about. This past week my daughter was sick and I was also getting a little bit of cold. And you know, my head was hurting, my nose was runny and I was getting chills. But... Because of my baby being unwell, I kind of forgot about my own illness. I forgot about my own illness. I was only worried about my daughter. So one difficulty after the other is actually beneficial for you. Huh? Gives you strength. Gives you strength. Which otherwise you wouldn't have. Why is it that mothers who are sick, they will still cook? They will still make their kids lunches. But the daughter or the son, when he gets sick, it's like the whole world is upside down. Isn't that so? Like some people, they make their sickness such a big deal. Can you pass me a tissue? Can you bring me a tissue box? Oh my God, my head is... They complain like there's no end. But the mother, when she's sick, I have to deal with it. Nobody's home. Everybody's at school or work. And there she is cooking herself, even with that headache, even with that fever. Isn't that so? Why? Because one musibah makes you forget the previous musibah. Right? One problem makes you forget the other problems. If your house is messy, your bookshelf needs to be rearranged, your laundry needs to be done, but you have an assignment due next morning, will you care about the laundry? You won't. And if you didn't have the assignment due, you'd be like panicking, that how am I supposed to do this? I'm supposed to... You know, wash all this, I'm supposed to iron all this, and you're so worried about it. When you have another problem to deal with, you forget your previous problems. So, لِكَيْ لَا تَحْزَنُوا عَلَى مَا فَاتَكُمْ وَلَا مَا أَصَابَكُمْ وَاللَّهُ خَبِيرٌ بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ And Allah is aware of whatever that you do. So what does this ayah teach us? That the more you suffer, the stronger you become. But how do we look at these situations? We think, this is not fair. And we stress out and we panic, and we complain, and we get upset, and we get frustrated, and we're like, I can't deal with this, it's too much. And we do on every little thing, and we complain, and we express our anger over every problem. But this is something that will not make you strong, it will actually weaken you even more. Isn't that so? It will weaken you even more. If you get burnt on your hand, one burn, it's very painful. But if you get another burn, then you forget about your previous burn. But if you sit with your hand, I am burnt, I am burnt, I am burnt, and you just look at the burn, look at the burn, and worry about it and stress about it, then what's going to happen? That burn is going to feel like 50 burns. 
But the reality is that the problems have come in order to make us stronger. So, accept it, embrace it, deal with it. Okay? And if life was easy, you know sometimes you say, why couldn't life be easy for me? Like really? Why couldn't everything be simple for me? Just like, you know, so and so has it so easy and so and so has it so simple. You know, my sister lives in Saudi and she's got two maids and here I am. I'm the maid of the house. I'm this and I'm also this and I'm also that. You know, you'll never become stronger like that. If Allah is putting you through a certain difficulty, it's for a reason. To make you strong. Because comfort makes a person weak. You know that? Too much comfort makes a person weak. Then a person cannot deal with life's challenges. Which is why mothers who baby their children too much, then their babies remain babies forever. And when their children's babies come, then the grandmother has more babies to deal with. Because their daughter is still a baby. Right? So, life is tough. It is difficult. Allah sends difficulties our way to make us stronger. So embrace them, accept them, deal with them, so that you can be ready for the next level. For example, if you don't accept the difficulties of high school, can you deal with the difficulties of university? Can you deal with the difficulties of workplace? You can't. Each level prepares you for the next. Then it happens with new mothers that when they have their first baby, then everything is sterilized, everything is clean in the house, everything for the baby is absolutely clean, germ-free. But is that good for the baby? Is that good for the child? No, it's not good for the child. A child has to be exposed to some germs so that their immunity becomes stronger. Otherwise, the next time a stranger will come, they didn't wash their hands, they just touch the baby's cheek and the baby will develop a rash. I'm not saying keep the baby in unhygienic places, but that you relax a little, toughen him up a little. So anyway, difficulties in life, they're meant to make us stronger, so let's accept them and deal with them so that we are ready for the next level. If you don't pass one level, you will fail at the next one too. ثُمَّ أَنزَلَ عَلَيْكُمْ Then he sent down on you مِنْ بَعْدِ الْغَمِّ After the غم What did he send down on you? أَمَنَةً Peace, security أَمَنَة From Hamza Mim Noon Which is security, safety It's the opposite of خوف Before they were afraid So afraid they were running away Without even looking back To see who was calling them Who's falling, who's dying Didn't care about anyone and then Allah replaced that fear with what? With security. And this security, it came in the form of nu'asan, slumber, sleepiness. Nu'as, nun, ain, seen. What does that mean? Drowsiness. Nu'asan is a person who is very sleepy, that he's yawning, you know, every few seconds. It's like you can't carry a conversation because you're yawning. And nu'as is basically when due to Sleepiness, your senses, they become weak. So you can't keep your eyes open. Somebody says something like, huh, what did you say? Right? So this is nu'as. Such drowsiness that, you know, if you're holding something, it falls. If you're sitting and you're trying to control your neck, your neck falls. Or you fall. Or your pen, the pen that you're writing with, it falls. 
And then when you're reviewing your translation, you're like, what happened to my notes? Why are there like lines everywhere? Because your pen fell so many times. This is nu'asan, drowsiness, sleepiness. So much sleepiness that your senses become weak. So Allah sent down this nu'as on the believers after fear. And this was like security. This brought them a sense of security. Why? Because when you're sleepy, then you forget everything. Right? Then you forget everything. But when you're wide awake, then everything bothers you. Everything frightens you. Every movement, every sound, it freaks you out. But when you're sleeping, when you're sleepy, then what happens? You relax. Your mind gets to relax. This happened twice at the Battle of Uhud. Once, when the Muslims were fighting. And secondly, after the fight. Firstly, when the Muslims were fighting at the battlefield, Abu Talha, he said, I was one of those who were possessed by a desire to sleep on Uhud day. On that day, my sword fell off my hand several times. Imagine, mushrikeen are coming to get you and your sword is falling off your hand several times. Again and again, it fell down and again and again, I picked it up. It's like you're sitting in class, again and again your pen slips, and again and again you pick it up. Your neck falls, and again and again you straighten it up. But we see that it kept Abu Talha relaxed. Because Abu Talha, he is the one who shielded the Messenger of Allah ﷺ by his body, and used his chest to protect him against the enemy arrows. Anas related that on Uhud day when people dispersed off the Prophet ﷺ, Abu Talha was a skillful sort of archer who would pull arrows so much that he broke two or three bows that day. He shot so many arrows that he broke two or three bows that day. When a man passed along with a quiver full of arrows, the Prophet ﷺ would say, spread the arrows to Abu Talha, meaning give them to Abu Talha because he's shooting them so well. It's like, you know, when you've had that power nap, you're so fresh that it's as if you've slept the whole night long. So this was a means of security. For who? For some companions. Then secondly, it happened when? After the Prophet ﷺ had withdrawn the Muslims to safety in the valley of Uhud. What happened over there? That the Muslims actually fell asleep. I mentioned to you already, they actually took a short nap. And this alleviated their fear and re-energized them. Imagine how exhausted, how tired they must have been. And if they had stayed awake, they would have been blaming and arguing. It's like at night when everybody's sleepy, then what happens? You get into arguments, you're grouchy, you're cranky. It's as if everything is biting you, everything is poking at you. You can't tolerate anything when you are tired. And once you've slept and then you wake up, then you are fresh, you're relaxed, you're more tolerant, you can deal with life's problems. So it re-energized them and it also relaxed them. It also relaxed them. It's like at the night before your exam. You're reading through your notes, going through your book, and you're just panicking, panicking, panicking. You're like, you know what? I need to sleep. You put everything away, you go to sleep. And then you wake up and the state of your heart is slightly better. It's slightly improved. And this sleepiness, Allah says, يَغْشَى طَائِفَةً مِّنْكُمْ it overcame, Yagsha from Rashiya, which is to overcome, Rainshinia. It covered who? Not everyone, but only a group from you. Certain Sahaba, 
who remained with the Prophet ﷺ, who remained obedient to the Prophet ﷺ throughout the battle, they were blessed with this security. But others, وَطَائِفَةٌ And another group, what happened with them? قَدْ أَهَمَّتْهُمْ أَنفُسُهُمْ Their souls worried them. أَهَمَّتْهُمْ هَا مِيمِيمْ هَمْ Which is to be distressed. And it also means to intend, to worry, to be anxious. So they were so anxious, so distressed, so preoccupied and concerned you know, with themselves that they couldn't rest at all. When a person panics too much, then can he rest? Can he take a break? Can he relax? Not at all. The other day I went to somebody's house and we just called them and said, you know, we're coming over, is it okay? And they said, yeah, sure. So we went over and they were so happy. They said, you know what, whenever you come, come in this way. Don't give me surprises always. Don't tell me a week ahead because that whole week, you know, that it goes in anxiety. Isn't that so? That if you know somebody is coming in 10 days, then each day you are counting. Right? And then you're worried from before. Okay, I'll go for groceries on this day, then I'll cook this on this day, and then I'll cook this on this day, and then I'll defrost this at this time, and then I will cook this at this time, and then I will set the table at this time, and I will clean the house at this time. You can't do anything else. Because you're anxious. Correct? But, when you get a surprise visit, then you're relieved of that anxiety. So anxiety is something that preoccupies you so that you can't focus on anything. قَدْ أَهَمَّتْهُمْ أَنفُسُهُمْ What were they anxious about? Their own deliverance. They didn't care about anyone. They didn't care about the Prophet ﷺ. They didn't care about the companions. They were just concerned about themselves and because of that they were unable to fall asleep. A believer in times of stress relies upon who? Allah. And because of that he remains calm. But a person who has weak faith in Allah, he's the one who becomes very anxious. He's the one who starts to panic. Everything becomes a huge problem for him. So the next time something becomes stressful for us, always, always make dua to who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And like we learned yesterday, the dua, رَبَّنَا اغْفِرْ لَنَا ذُنُوبَنَا وَإِسْرَافَنَا فِي أَمْرِنَا وَثَبِّتْ أَقْدَامَنَا وَانْصُرْنَا عَلَى الْقَوْمِ الْكَافِرِينَ Make dua to Allah and that will relax you. أَلَا بِذِكْرِ اللَّهِ تَطْمَئِنُّ الْقُلُوبِ It is with the remembrance of Allah that the hearts find peace. Because when we panic and stress out too much, then we don't just affect ourselves, who else do we affect? Everybody in the house, from the children to the husband, and they're like, when is this weekend class of yours going to be over? Right? Because they don't like that you're freaking out, you're not eating properly, nobody's being fed properly, the house is such a mess. They don't like that. But if we relax, take a deep breath, plan out what you have to do, go step by step, then you won't stress out. And even if there's a lot of work to be done, there's a mountain load of work, still, if you trust upon Allah, then you will relax, you will calm down. But if you don't, then قَدْ أَهَمَّتْهُمْ أَنفُسُهُمْ And this leads to يَظُنُّونَ بِاللَّهِ غَيْرَ الْحَقِّ They were thinking about Allah, something that is not right. Meaning something that they should not be thinking. Then when a person stresses out too much, is too anxious, then what happens? Shaitan puts negative thoughts in our mind about who? Allah. 
that a person begins to think, why am I bothering studying the Qur'an? This is getting too stressful. This is getting too much to deal with. My children are getting neglected. My husband's getting neglected. I am suffering. Why am I doing this? يَظُنُّونَ بِاللَّهِ غَيْرَ الْحَقِّ ظَنَّ الْجَاهِلِيَّةِ The assumption, the thought of jahiliyyah. Jahiliyyah means ignorance. So what is ظَنَّ الْجَاهِلِيَّةِ? It is the ظن of the people of jahil. It is the thought of the people who are ignorant. Ignorant of who? Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because those who know Allah, recognize Allah, are aware of His names and attributes, then no matter what happens, they will still trust in Allah. They will still expect help from Him. They will still know that Allah wants good for me. If this is not working out, there must be khair. It must be a shortcoming on my part. Allah is helping me. Because some people at the Battle of Uhud at this point, they were thinking about going and joining Abdullah bin Ubay and asking him to make a deal with the mushrikeen so that their lives could be saved. Imagine, Abdullah bin Ubay, the treacherous man who betrayed the Prophet ﷺ, left, the hypocrite. This thought crossed the minds of some people, let's go to Abdullah bin Ubay, let's run to Medina and ask him to strike a deal with Abu Sufyan so that we are spared and they don't come after our lives. Imagine such a thought came. Who would think such a thought? Someone who does not know Allah. Jahiliya. The one who does not know Allah turns to other than Allah at the time of distress. But the one who knows Allah turns to who? Only Allah at the time of distress. The one who does not know Allah, he says, Oh Allah, why? Oh Allah, where are you? Oh Allah, why don't you listen to me? Oh Allah, what's happening? And the one who knows Allah, then he says, Oh Allah, I know you're watching me. I know there is khair in this. Oh Allah, you help me. You know, recently, when I was in Pakistan, I was visiting somebody and they were just complaining about how the political situation, the economical situation is so bad in the country. And they were complaining about something that they had gone through, a very miserable experience. And they said, I don't know what's wrong. Allah doesn't even listen to us anymore. And that statement, like, it shocked me that how could you say such a thing? And I said to that person that, when do we listen to Allah? That we expect Allah should listen to us. Because look, the statement that is mentioned over here, يَقُولُونَ They say, هَلَّنَا مِنَ الْأَمْرِ مِنْ Do we have any say in the matter? Meaning, will we ever be heard by Allah? Will Allah ever hear us? Will the Prophet ever listen to us? هَلَّنَا مِنَ الْأَمْرِ مِنْ Do we have any say over the affairs? So who thinks such thoughts? Those who don't know Allah. ظَنَّ الْجَاهِلِيَّةِ so the one who has studied the Qur'an, the one who is learning the Qur'an, the one who believes in Allah, he does not entertain negative thoughts about Allah. He does not entertain negative thoughts about Allah. Even if he cannot understand why something is going wrong, why he is suffering from a tragedy, even if he cannot understand, he trusts Allah. He knows there must be khair. He knows there must be some wisdom. He doesn't turn his back to Allah, to the deen of Allah. Rather, he runs to Allah even more. He embraces the path of Allah even more. He walks upon it with more effort. He strives on it even more. He doesn't abandon that way.
قُلْ سَيْ إِنَّ الْأَمْرَ Indeed the matter. قُلْ لَهُ لِلَّهِ All of it is for Allah. Meaning, who do you think you are that you say, do we have any say in anything? You're just a person. The entire affair belongs to Allah. It is His decision. Who are you to say, Oh Allah, why are you doing this to me? Oh Allah, how can you allow this for me? Who are you to say? You're just a person. Allah made you, Allah gave you everything, and He can take whatever He wants back from you as well. قُلْ إِنَّ الْأَمْرَ كُلَّهُ لِلَّهِ And really think about it. If we're upset with Allah over something that has happened, what can we do? What can you do? Can you do anything to change the situation? You can't. If you're angry as to why your hand got burnt, what can you do? Shriek? Yell? Curse? Is that going to make a difference to the pain? Nope. Break a dish? Is that going to make a difference to the pain? Yell at your husband? Yell at your children? Is that going to make a difference? No, nothing's going to change. So you know what? Your frustration is only going to make you more miserable. Turn to Allah so that you can have some peace and calmness. And you can expect some reward from Him for what you're going through. Allah says, يُخْفُونَ فِي أَنفُسِهِمْ They hide in their hearts. يُخْفُونَ from خَفِي خَافَيَا Which is to conceal. They conceal in their hearts مَا لَا يُبْدُونَ لك, What they do not reveal to you. Right now, they're only saying هَلْ لَنَا مِنَ الْأَمْرِ مِنْ شَيْءٍ Do we have any say in the matter at all? The reality is that in their hearts is something that is much worse and they're not saying it. When a person says negative things about Allah, about the deen of Allah, about the people of the deen, then that's just the surface. If you dig deep down, there's much more you know, corrupted matter inside. There's much more negativity that is inside. That a person is trying to hide, is trying to conceal. But at times of stress, what happens? That erupts and it comes out. This is just like if a person pretends that they're very happy with an individual, that they love them, they respect them. They can pretend for some time. But the next time they're stressed out, what's going to happen? They're going to give it to that individual. Then everything's going to spill out. Even something that happened five years ago. Right? So, When a person says negative things, it means that there is negativity where? Inside. It's inside. And it will come out eventually at the time of stress. So check yourself that in stressful situations, what do we say? What do you say? What do you want to say? Like for example, sometimes some women when they get upset, they say, I don't think I need my husband. I don't think... He deserves any respect from me. What has he done? Nothing. You know what that means? In the heart there's no love. There's no respect. And it's very sad that such feelings exist. If the man is unjust, that's a different thing. Okay? But likewise, friends, co-workers, siblings, at the time of argument, at the time of stress, what's happening? What's being said? That is what is on the inside. يُخْفُونَ فِي أَنفُسِهِمْ مَا لَا يُبْدُونَ لَكَ يَقُولُونَ They say, لَوْ كَانَ لَنَا مِنَ الْأَمْرِ شَيْءٌ They say that if we had any say in the matter, in the affair, which affair? The matter of this war. مَا قُتِلْنَاهَا هُنَا We would not have been killed over here. They say if we had a choice, 
we would not have been killed over here. Meaning, if we had a choice, we would not have come out for the battle, we would have stayed, we would have gone back with Abdullah bin Ubay, we would have stayed in Medina, defended from within, we were forced to come out. This is just like if someone fails at something, then what do they do? They tell their parents, you forced me to take math. You forced me to take science subjects. You forced me to go to university. I never wanted to become a doctor. It's your fault. Really? The parents who paid for your education, who said just study, will give you whatever you need. Just focus on your studies. It's their fault. It's not their fault. They gave you everything you wanted. And if they're pushing you to do something great in life, it's for your own good. But how sad it is that many kids, what do they do? They turn and they blame their parents. It's your fault. This is what some people did at the battle of Uhud as well. That it's the fault of the Prophet ﷺ that we have lost today. That so many of our people have been killed today. Allah says, قُلْ Say, لَوْ كُنْتُمْ If you were fi buyutikum In your houses, if you stayed in your houses, plural of bayt, then what would happen? لَبَرَزَ Surely he would have appeared from بَرَزَي Which is to appear. To come to view. He would have appeared, he would have come to view. Who? Alladina dozu kutiba alayhimul qatlu on whom qatl was decreed. What does qatl mean? Killing. Death. So those who were destined to die this day, they would have come out of their houses ila madajirihim to their dying places. Madajir is a plural of madjar from the root letters dajimain. And dajara is to sleep, to lie down on one side in order to take rest. And madjar is a place of sleeping, like for example a bed. But over here, madajar does not refer to beds, but it refers to dying places, meaning the very places where they were supposed to die. Because sleep is like death. Isn't it so? Sleep is like death. So even if you stayed in your houses... The people who were meant to die this day would have come out of their houses and died in their spots. Why? Because death was decreed for them at that place, at that time. And this is a reality. Someone who is meant to die somewhere dies. They cannot avoid that death. Somebody told me a story about how there was an aircraft which basically you know, landed in the mountains somewhere. There was an accident. It crashed into the mountains and all the people on the flight died. And they had said that at the airport, there was a man who had almost missed that flight. Who had almost missed that flight. But he argued and argued and rushed through the airport and said, please let me go, please let me go, please let me go. He rushed through and he actually got the flight and he died in that flight. He did not avoid his death because it was meant to be at a particular time, at a particular place. So never think that just because so-and-so made this decision, this is why we're suffering. No, what you're suffering, you were meant to suffer anyways. Like for example, a financial loss. Just because you suffered it in the path of Allah does not mean that you would not have suffered it if you had not been in the path of Allah. If a person thinks, oh my car had an accident because I was going to the masjid, I shouldn't have gone to the masjid and my car would have been safe. You know what? You could have had that accident in your own driveway. Doesn't it happen with people? They're pulling out of the driveways and others come in, bang into them, crash into them. Doesn't it happen? It happens. 
or their car is safely parked somewhere, somebody else comes in, ruins their car. It happens with people. So, basically, we should never think that if something has gone wrong, it's because we you know, did something we shouldn't have done. No. If something has gone wrong, if there is an accident, if there is a loss, it was meant to happen, it was decreed. It was written from before. Allah had already decided it. So don't blame others. Don't blame other people, the decisions that were made. No. وَلِيَبْتَلِيَ اللَّهُ مَا فِي صُدُورِكُمْ Why does Allah cause this to happen? Because Allah is testing you that what is in your hearts. On the apparent, everyone can say, I love Allah, I trust Allah. But then in a stressful situation, that's when the reality comes out, that what is really in the heart? Trust or something else? Love or something else? Dependence or something else? Because like I said earlier, at times of difficulty, that is when the reality comes out. وَلِيُمَحِّصَ مَا فِي قُلُوبِكُمْ And so that he may purify what is in your heart. Purify. يُمَحِّصَ from تَمْحِيص ميم حَصَاد Which means to refine, to purify. Because when you go through a difficulty, then you realize your faults. Right? You realize your shortcomings, your weaknesses. And only then can you fix them. If you had not gone through that difficulty, would you have realized your fault, your mistake? No. You wouldn't have. For example, we learn in the Qur'an, وَالْكَاظِمِينَ الْغَيْظِ Beautiful, they suppress their anger. But unless you go through a situation where you get angry, how can it be known whether you control your anger or not? Allah will put you in that situation to test you. And then you realize that I do not control my anger. I do blow up. When you realize that, then you start working on yourself. Then the process of refinement begins. Because unfortunately, many of us think we are good. I control my anger. I am patient. I forgive. I smile always. I don't stress out. I don't panic. I stay relaxed. But then when we are in a difficult situation, that's when the reality comes out. So, وَلِيُمَحِّصَ مَا فِي قُلُوبِكُمْ وَاللَّهُ عَلِيمٌ بِذَاتِ الصُّدُورِ And Allah is knowing of what is in the heart. Meaning Allah does not need to test you. He tests you for your own good. Allah already knows what is in your heart. But He tests you so that you may realize and you may refine yourself and you may fix yourself. So at the battle of Uhud, really people got to recognize themselves. Just like when you go through a difficulty... What do you develop? Self-awareness. You cannot have self-awareness until you go through some problems in life. You cannot. Then Allah says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ Indeed those people who تَوَلَّوْ minkum, Who turned away among you. تَوَلَّوْ They turned away minkum among you from what? From the fighting. The Prophet ﷺ was calling them, Come to me, O servants of Allah. But they turned away, they ran away, they fled. When يَوْمَ الْتَقَ الْجَمْعَانِ On the day that the two groups met. Iltaqa from Lam Qafiyah, Laqiyah to meet. Jam'an, the two groups, meaning one of the mushrikeen, one of the Muslims. Basically it's referring to the day of Uhud. Why did they run away? Why did they turn away? What caused them to turn away? Innama, indeed not, but istazallahumu shaytan. Shaytan caused them to slip. From zay lam lam. Zalla, which is to slip. 
So shaitan caused them to slip, meaning they came under the effect of shaitan's waswasa that day. This is just like there was a, a situation where you got angry and you ended up blowing up. You end up saying something nasty because you were very furious. Why? Because shaitan whispered into your head, say this. Or shaitan puts negative thoughts in your head so that you become more furious. You remember the mistake that the person made five years ago. As if it's happening right in front of your eyes. And you blow up and you say one thing after the other. And you physically abuse and you smack and you pinch or whatever. This is what? You came under the influence of shaitan. When a person does something wrong, then he has come under the influence of shaitan. Why? Why is it that shaitan won and you lost? Why? Allah says, بِبَعْضِ مَا كَسَبُوا Because of some things that they have earned. Because of some sins that they have committed. Meaning they did something wrong in the past which made their shaitan strong. So that the next time Allah tested them, their shaitan won and they lost. بِبَعْضِ مَا كَسَبُوا وَلَقَدْ عَفَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمْ But Allah reassures that Allah has forgiven them, meaning all the companions who participated in the battle of Uhud. إِنَّ اللَّهَ غَفُورٌ حَلِيمٌ Indeed, Allah is forgiving and forbearing. He is very tolerant. If someone disobeys us, we don't trust them anymore. We don't give them a second chance. But Allah is forbearing. He forgave the companions and gave them many more chances in the future. إِنَّ اللَّهَ غَفُورٌ حليم. Now let's listen to the recitation of these verses. إِذْ تُصْعِدُونَ وَلَا تَلْهُونَ عَلَىٰ أَحَدٍ وَالرَّسُولُ يَدْعُوكُمْ فِي أُخْرَاكُمْ والرسول يدعوكم في أخراكم فأثابكم غما بغم لكي لا تحزنوا لكي لا تحزنوا على ما فاتكم ولا ما أصابكم والله خبير بما تعملون ثُمَّ أَنزَلَ عَلَيْكُمْ مِنْ بَعْدِ الْغَمِّ أَمَنَةً نُعَاسًا يَغْشَى طَائِفَةً مِنْكُمْ وَطَائِفَةٌ قَدْ أَهَمَّتْهُمْ أَنفُسُهُمْ يَظُنُّونَ بِاللَّهِ غَيْرَ الْحَقِّ ظَنَّ الْجَاهِلِيَّةِ يَقُولُونَ هَلْ لَنَا مِنَ الْأَمْرِ مِنْ شَيْءٍ قُلْ إِنْ الأمر كله لله يخفون في أنفسهم ما لا يبدون لك يقولون لو كان لنا من الأمر شيء ما قتلناها هنا قل لو كنتم في بيوتكم لبرز الذين كتب عليهم القتل إلى مضاجعهم 
Like for example, we are volunteering somewhere and we do something wrong. A relationship like between a husband and wife, between siblings, between parents and children. One person says something they shouldn't have done. You yell at someone the way you should not have yelled. You said something harshly, you should not have said it. You did something, you should not have done it. Why? Because shaitan overpowered you at that time. What is it that gave shaitan the strength over you? The mistakes that you made in the past. So basically, the sins that we commit, dhunubana wa israfana, what do they do? They weaken us and they strengthen the shaitan against us. The sins that we commit, they equip the shaitan and deprive us of any equipment against the shaitan. So the next time we are in a vulnerable situation, who wins? Shaitan wins. So what does it show? That sins have consequences. What kind of consequences? Not just physical pain and punishment. No. The consequences of sins are also that shaitan becomes victorious over a person. He makes a person commit more wrong. That a person is led to another sin after the previous. One sin keeps on leading to the other. And this is a result of what? A person's own wrongdoing. And when a person is led to one sin after the other, then this itself is a punishment. This is the reason why what is necessary? Istighfar. We learned yesterday that Rabbiyun, what did they do? At the time of conflict, they sought Allah's forgiveness. So mistakes happen. Shaitan becomes stronger. We make another mistake. But what is necessary? Seeking forgiveness. And as long as a person is seeking forgiveness, then Then Allah will also, inshallah, pardon him. And we see that twice in these verses Allah mentions this, that Allah has pardoned the companions. Allah has forgiven the companions. Yes, it was a mistake. Many mistakes happened. Imagine they killed another Muslim. Imagine. They abandoned the Prophet ﷺ. They ran away from the battlefield. Despite the fact that they knew nobody is allowed to run away from the battlefield. It happened. Mistakes happened. But then, what has to be done? Turn back to Allah. Seek His forgiveness. And Allah will forgive because He is forgiving and tolerant. Then the ayah also shows to us that shaitan interferes in the good that we do. Any good deed that we try to do, shaitan interferes in that, tries to make us do something wrong in it. Like for example, a person is praying salah, what will happen? Shaitan will put waswasa in the heart. So that a person starts talking to himself or herself. 
A person is reciting the Qur'an. And then what happens? Shaitan interferes in the recitation so that a person, he misunderstands something, you know, develops a doubt, starts to question, does not trust what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said. This is shaitan's interference. This is why, فَإِذَا قَرَأْتَ الْقُرْآنَ فَاسْتَعِذْ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ Any good deed that you try to do. Over here, the sahaba, they were in jihad, but still shaitan interfered. So this is why two things are very important in whatever that we're doing. Keep seeking Allah's forgiveness and keep seeking His protection against the shaitan. These two things will lead you to your success. What? Seeking forgiveness and seeking protection with Allah against the shaitan. You know, we learned the dua yesterday and the ending of that dua was وَنْصُرْنَا عَلَى الْقَوْمِ الْكَافِرِينَ Help us against the disbelieving people. Now you might say, but I don't have any disbelievers to be, you know, I'm not confronting any, I'm not, you know, facing any disbelievers, so this dua is not relevant to me. It is still relevant to you. Because kafirin, the scholars have said, this includes three things. First of all, it includes the nafs of the person, the soul of the person, the desires of a person. Why? Because the desire, the nafs, if it is not correct, then what will it do? It will tell a person to do evil. In the nafsa la'amaratun bisu, it commands a person to do evil. It will prompt you to disobey. So you need Allah's help against your own self. Secondly, kafirin includes the shaitan because shaitan is a kafir. Aba wastakbara wa kana min al kafirin. He is a kafir. And thirdly, it refers to the people who are kafir, who reject Allah, who disbelieve in Him, who pose threats to a person in the way of Allah. So you need the help of Allah against all these three. Yourself, your shaitan, and also the people who come against you. So these ayat, they guide us, they illustrate to us the way to success and the way to failure. So that every step we take, we take it carefully, we reflect on ourselves, so that every work, every deed, every action becomes successful at the end of the day. Because shaitan is kafir, this is why Allah says, seek protection against him with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So anyone who's there to get you, whether it's your nafs or shaitan or another individual, then seek Allah's protection against them. And shaitan is the most experienced kafir. Right? The most experienced kafir. He knows really well how to lead people astray, how to make people fail. And he's after you to get you. So seeking protection with Allah against him. And not just seeking protection, but staying away from sins as well. If you sin, if you disobey the noob israf, then you're strengthening your shaitan. You're saying, yeah, go ahead, take a spear against me. Take a weapon against me. We're putting ourselves in difficulty each time we sin. So the help of Allah comes to who? Those who deserve that help. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us deserving of His help in everything that we do. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.